Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Take Heart. Uh, so today we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So turn with your, with me rather, to your, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And it's a small section. Um, you might have in the heading of your Bible, not carnality but Christ. So we're going to kind of go through, obviously like we typically do, go verse by verse. So let's take a look at verse 1. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So we begin the verse by looking at the past tense. Look what it says. It says, if then you were raised. So it's our past tense. In other words, we are now born again, new creations in Christ. Romans 6, 8 tells us, now if you died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So we see that also in this verse. If then you were raised with Christ. Colossians chapter 3 is where we were, but if you are we, where we are, but if you were to flip over, just kind of maybe glance over to chapter 2, uh, look at verses 12 and 13. I'm not going to read the whole verses, but let me read some of the words that they're talking about because in chapter 3, verse 1, we just read we were raised with Christ. Back in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says we were buried with Him, we were raised with Him, and we were made alive together with Him. So we see at the very beginning of verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, If then you were raised. So now, that was the past, but now let's look at the present tense. It says, Seek those things which are above. And that word to seek in this situation means to, to strive after, to desire after. And it tells us an example of, of what things above. And it tells us who is there. It says, Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians, two Paul, Paul's letters were written around the same time. And you're gonna notice it's obviously written to two different congregations. We've got the church in Colossae, and when, then we have the church in Ephesus, but a lot of the same things. If you were to open up Colossians, open up Ephesians, a lot of things that are similar. So today as we're going through this, I'm gonna reference quite a few verses from Ephesians and you'll see what I'm talking about. So here in Colossians it says, if we were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ is, see in the right hand of God. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians 2, 6 says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we see in verse 1, you know, we've been born again. We were raised with Christ. Now we need to seek after those things which are above. Have our mind focused on that. Look with, with me in verse 2 because this kind of springs board into that. It says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The word set, setting your mind to seek, which we just read, or to strive for earnestly. And we find out what our focus needs to be on. It says, not on things of the earth, not on things that are temporary, or temporal is the word that we use. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he was on earth, he tells us what in Matthew 6 in the section 19 through 21, to store up our treasures in heaven, to do the things and have a focus, a heavenly focus. Romans 8, 5, listen to this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, meaning us believers, the things of the Spirit. And we see here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 2, to set our mind on things above. So verse 1, we saw the seeking, those things above. And now verse two, we see setting your mind on things above. Look with me in verse three. It says, for you died and your life is hidden 
with Christ in God. So we see here that we died. Now, obviously that's not a literal sense, but it's dying to the old self, dying to the things of the world. Romans 6, 4 tells us, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we believers, we also should walk in the newness of life. And we were told in 2 Corinthians, we are new creations in Christ. That was Romans 6, 4 that I just read. Two verses down, Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So we see here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, that, that we died. And now we see, that was past tense, now we see your, your new life. Your new life is hidden with Christ and God. So our, this life that we have is new, it's real, and it says our life is hidden with Christ. And that basically means exactly what it says, it's concealed with Christ. But in this situation, it gives us a sense of security, of safe, safeness. And it says, with Christ in God. And so how does that look for the believer, our daily walk with Christ, as we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the amazing gift that He's given us, this daily walk. Colossians, or Galatians rather, chapter 2, verse 20, at the very beginning, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And we see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 here. It says, for you died and your life is hidden. There in Galatians it says, it is no longer I who live, Christ lives in me. And for us believers, it's by the Holy Spirit. So now let's look at verse 4. It says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we see that Christ equals life. We see God's mathematics here. When Christ, who is your life, appears. So Christ is life. John 10, 10 tells us. This is the, the part of scripture where he's talking about the good shepherd. I'm going to read one verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And we see that here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him. You will appear. This is a personal promise for each of us. It says you will appear, not others, but those that have accepted but this is a personal thing. We have that personal promise. It says they will appear. The word appear is similar to what we use in the English language. To make manifest, to make visible or known which has been hidden or unknown. We just, we just talked about how our life is hidden in Christ. It's concealed. But now when he appears on the second coming, we will meet him in the clouds. And it's saying that when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. As a matter of fact, this glory that he's referring to, the glory, listen to this great definition. It's the condition of blessedness into which is appointed and promised that true Christians shall enter after their Savior's return from heaven. And that's some amazing thing we get to look forward to. 1 Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And when he appears... 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. We, we typically will look at this verse during, um, during funerals and burials and things of that nature for believers because we know that we will, those that are dead will meet Christ first. Listen, 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, meaning those that have passed on before us. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now it says here in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory. That's an amazing thing to look forward to. Look with me in chapter or verse 5 in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, therefore. So knowing all the things that we just read about in verses 1 through 4, now we need to take action. What, is, what does Paul tell us to do? What did he tell the church in Colossae to do? Put to death. If you had the King James, it'd say mortify. And the word, that, the Greek word that's being used there is necro, where we, we'd get necrosis, like a, something that is dying, an organ or skin tissue. We say necrosis is set in. And we notice it says, therefore put to death your members. So, you know, we're not out to put to death other people's members because we mentioned all these things which are on the earth but it's a personal issue so we aren't to be judgmental towards them god needs to work in their lives but when we look at these things look at it from the viewpoint of what do i need to change and this this idea of putting to death something necrosis in a physical sense in this situation for us we're putting to death we're basically it, it's destroying the strength of something or depriving the power of that thing. And the things we're looking at are these fornication, uncleanness, all these things he lists. Put it to death. Mortify it. Romans 6, 12 through 13 tell us, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. We see that here. We're talking about in verse five, putting to death, mortifying those things that don't give them power. And we notice where they originate on the earth. We notice that it's not heavenly where we had the focus earlier, it's the things on the earth. And we notice the list here. I'm just gonna briefly go over some of the things here. It says fornication, which is where, pornea, where we get, um, obviously, the word pornography, illicit, sexual, and, of course, uncleanness. And this means in the sense of something that's morally unclean. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 tells us, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Next thing it says, he lists here is passion, which is basically anything that's morally corrupt, anything that's wicked, evil desire. So that's that longing for something that is forbidden. And the last one we see here, it's interesting, We've got more math in God's, God's eye. It says, covetousness, which equals, which is idolatry. So we notice that when we, we hear the word, you're coveting something, you're desiring to have more, greedy for something. And, and in essence, it's something that replaces your devotion or your um, love towards God and His desire in your life. So we see that covetousness is the same thing as idolatry. So we're putting to death these things. We're not giving, we're destroying the strength of these things. We're mortifying these things. Verses six and, this, six and seven says, because of these things, the things that we just read about, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. And we notice this future judgment on the sons of disobedience. And we notice 
it's when we look at these things, we notice how Paul words it. He says, the future judgment's coming on the sons of disobedience. But he doesn't end it there, because in verse 7 it says, which you yourselves, okay, we're back to this personal part of it, once walked in the B.C. days, as we call it, before Christ days. Not only did you walk in them, it says you lived in them. The things that we just read about, the uncleanness, the fornic fornication, the, the passion, the evil desire, all these things that we once did. Remember I mentioned Ephesians and Colossians were written around the same time. Listen to the Ephesians, I guess you could say, version of this verse. Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3 tells us, In which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, flesh sorry, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we notice this, your past life and the things to look forward to when you're walking with God. You know, He has forgiven us of those things. He is so amazing. Look with me now in verses 8 through 10. It tells us, but now, important, we read all these things that you were, the, the behavior that you were, but look at this. But now you yourselves, he's going to drill, drill it down even more, are to put off all these things. He's going to name some more things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. But now, we've got this present, present tense of this. It's personal. It says, but now. He doesn't simply say, but now you. Look, at, he goes even further, but now you yourselves. So he's like, I don't want to leave anyone out because this is something that's personal that we all have to look at. And he, what he tells us to do is he tells us to put off. We, before we read about mortifying or not giving power or strength to these things. Now he's going a little bit further. He's saying, put off, literally to cast off, to cast it aside, to cast it away. And we, he lists the things, I'm not going to detail what they are, but we see kind of the things that we do towards other people. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and lying out of your mouth. James 1.19, it tells us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The things that we say to other people. It says that you don't do these things because what have you done? You've put off these old things. The old man with his deeds is what it says. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We see that old man, that old self in Ephesians as well. Conversely, in verse 10, we find out, now that we've, we've read about all the things you need to get rid of, all the things you need to put off, all the things to mortify, to not give power to. Conversely, in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Colossians, and having put on the new man who is renewed. Interesting how the wording here, put on, it literally means if, if someone were to sink into clothing, putting some clothing on, the new man. As we had mentioned earlier, we are new creations in Christ. Romans 13, 14 tells us, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We see that same word being used to sink into the clothing, put on Christ. And it tells us, in, as we put on the new man, we find out some characteristics about it. It says, who is renewed 
in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Renewed in knowledge. In the tense of that word, it literally means is being renewed. So it's a continual process. Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12.2, you're probably familiar with this. And do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's this continual renewing process. And it says, what, what are we renewed in, this new man? In the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. This is the precise and correct knowledge of the Lord. And we, how do we find this knowledge? It's right here, in, right in front of us in the Word of God, in that personal fellowship with Him as we're diving into His Word, as we're talking to Him throughout the day. And we're, we're storing these verses in our heart and going back to them. Philippians 3.8, Paul kind of describes it for us, what he felt, what his life was like as far as the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ. Philippians 3.8, Yet indeed I count also all things lost, for what? Listen, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. We see that heavenly focus that we just read about, setting your mind on things above. Now I come to the last verse in our section here. It says, verse 11, Colossians 3, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In this verse, we find any type of distinction, any type of level broken down. We've got, and Pastor Kevin says this all the time, we've got Christ up here and everybody else down here. Same thing here. Look at, look at the categories. There's no national distinctions, Greek and Jew. There's no religious distinctions, uncircumcised, circumcised. No cultural distinctions in that, in that time in the world, barbarian and Scythian. And we know this, the last one is there's no economic distinctions. There's slave and free. We're all on the same level, needing a Savior. Romans 3, 23 and 24, you've heard this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All have sinned. All those lists that we mentioned, all have sinned, but, but the key is at the very end of 11, but Christ is all and in all. That sums it up. That, that's more of, of, of God, God's math for us. He is the end of the equation. He is the sum of the equation. He's everything that we need, but Christ. There's so many places within scripture that we see that terminology, but Christ is so valuable in that sense. Listen, 2 Corinthians, Chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, our ability to do anything, our competency is from God. Just like we read here, Christ is all and in all. Anything that we do, anything that we have is because He's given it to us. So in summary, we saw that we're to seek, we're to set our minds on Christ, we're going to supposed to put, put to death, mortify those things of the flesh, those things of the earth, put off those things, the lying, the things related to the, the speaking and all those things, and, and more importantly, at the very end of it, we are to put on Christ. And we do that by the 
the power of the Holy Spirit in us and we see the result of that because Christ is all and in all. So I hope you enjoy the section. Go ahead, go back through it. Continue to read through Colossians and, and compare that with Ephesians. Till ne next time, take care. God bless.